Three summers ago, the world seemed frozen and convulsed all at once. The coronavirus pandemic that began in March 2020 and the lockdown orders that followed restricted entire nations only to the most necessary activities. The murder of George Floyd by Minneapolis police officers in May sparked worldwide demonstrations against racism and brought the Black Lives Matter movement to home pages and front pages everywhere. Welcome to CCC's podcast series. I'm Christopher Keneally for Velocity of Content. 36 months later, the world has moved on. Pandemic restrictions have lifted and urban centers are mostly free of protests. But how have we changed? In publishing especially, what is different about our jobs, our professional relationships, and our attitudes? Did you answer everything or nothing? That question, how have we really changed, is the challenge presented by Deanna Roberts, the Senior Publishing Coordinator for the Royal College of Psychiatrists. Deanna Roberts co-chairs the DEI Advisory Council of the International Society of Managing and Technical Editors and is the DEIA Associate Editor and a chef for the Scholarly Kitchen blog published by SSP, the Society of Scholarly Publishing. Deanna Roberts joins me now from London to share her reflections on the progress made since the summer of 2020 toward ending the cycle of racism and discrimination in publishing and everywhere. Deandra Roberts, welcome to Velocity of Content. Hello. Thank you for having me, Chris. Well, I'm excited about this conversation. It's an important one, and, and I really want to hear what you have to say about all of these points. 2020 brought calls for many in publishing to make room at the table for people of color, as well as those in the LGBTQ community. Did those invitations lead to lasting difference, Deandra? And if those from previously marginalized communities have a seat today, do you think they're being heard? I mean, I think that question in itself is a big question. Are people being given more seats since 2020? Yes, I am a product of being given a seat and an opportunity to be in the room. But again, I think what you asked is really important is, are people being heard? I have been offered spaces in rooms and not been heard, or I'm put in those rooms to say, hey, we did do that thing that we should all be doing now because let's be real, some people feel guilty. And there are other rooms that I've been put into where I have a voice, I have an opinion, it matters, and it's taken seriously, and I feel welcomed into that space. And this isn't even getting onto the idea of, are we inviting people into spaces that aren't safe? Because that in itself is a whole different bag of, we want people to join us, we want to say we're inclusive, we want to say oh, we're champions of diversity, equity, inclusion, accessibility, I think is another thing. We also have to acknowledge that now we're starting to have the discussions of what are we doing in terms of helping those be in the room with disability and what are we doing to make sure that they are able to be in the room physically, metaphorically, what are we doing? I think that's a newer conversation, not to say that it hasn't been happening, but I think more people are having that conversation now. And that's three years from when the first elements of we need DEI, EDI, people in buildings, offices, everyone was getting some sort of 
person, you know, like those now, if you look for those roles in recruitment, they're not really available or existing as they were three years ago. Um, I feel like I've completely gone to the side of your question, but yes, I think we are being invited into spaces. I don't necessarily know if everybody being invited into spaces, it's genuine. That I don't have an answer to. I would like to say a lot of them are, although I think a lot of them aren't based on action. I don't know. Does that make me sound jaded? In fact, Dandra Roberts, jaded or just honest, we really appreciate hearing what you think about this. And I want to ask what it means to be safe. Tell us how places where people are invited can be safer. So I think safety, it's a big one because it means different things for different people. Um, And I will entirely exclude the safety of anyone who is racist. Your safety is not my concern. My concern is the marginalized communities who want to feel safer in spaces that have never belonged to us. Um, So making sure that people feel heard that they are actually comfortable in a way of they can walk into a physical space and it is comfortable. It's not like, for example, I can be told a safer space, but the minute somebody tries to touch my hair, which happens a lot, (laughs) still happening. Solange made a whole song about it and here we are. It's like, I don't feel safe because I don't feel like a person. I feel now like some sort of, commodity because another random person has come up to me and immediately started petting me. That's not a safe space. And the response can be, oh my gosh, I'm just a really touchy-feely person. I don't care because I don't know you. You don't do it to other people. You can like my hair. It's great. You can also like it from a distance. Or just say, hey, I like your hair. Cool. Thanks. So it's Ensuring that those boundaries are already set when somebody's going into that space. Ensuring that language is that's being used. There's always the terms banter, especially in the UK. We love a bit of bants, but not everything that is called banter is actually banter. You're just making jokes at people. You're making people feel uncomfortable. You're also being insert homophobic, racist, ableist as such sometimes it's intentional even if it's not intentional it's what you do to turn that around and it's i guess it's being mindful being human first i like to use that term i think i picked that up from somebody i worked with at one point um and it is ensuring that you're treating people as actual people and not tokens not commodities not well they're only here because of you know, we're filling a quota, we need to make sure we look good. You're actually treating them as people and you're ensuring that when we're all together in that room, that everybody has the capacity to be themselves. And it's very hard. I can't say I can walk into every room and be myself. Even rooms I've walked into many times, I definitely have to be a version of myself for my own safety but we need to ensure that people can be the closest to themselves as possible. And I think whatever that sort of recipe is to get there for somebody or a group of people is what we need to do. There's no one size fits all 
on how we get that. But what you do need to do is believe people. And if somebody has a capacity where they can speak up, because you can't always do that. I've definitely been in situations where I've been scared to say, I don't feel safe here, but I can't. One, am I, I'm in a junior position. I don't have any allies. I just, who am I really going to say that to when the person who's partly doing it is really senior to me? You know, so if somebody turns around and says, look, this is not safe for me. I don't feel comfortable. This is a recurring thing. Then we need to believe them and we need to see what we can do with what's happening to them and how we can change that. Because sometimes it's an environmental thing. There are many companies who are like, oh, we support all people joining us, proceeds to change no policy, no environmental culture. Like, yeah, we support anyone who wants to come and work here, but we don't have sort of certain maternity leave, certain parental leave in general, um, sick leave, health benefits, things like that. And it's like, well, then you don't want everybody to come and work here because you're already not doing things before they get in the door. So it's a lot, but it's not impossible. And I think it's really looking at how are we approaching people and what are we doing to maintain that humanity at the beginning and not corporate responsibility. Deandra Roberts' representation is clearly essential, yet how well do you think publishing has moved toward participation in all levels of its businesses? Hmm, that is a very interesting question, Chris. I think right now, publishing needs to walk the walk. There's a lot of talk about what needs to be done, how we can do more, um, who is doing what or who's thinking about what a lot of think pieces there's a lot of oh you know like and i've just been seeing it for the past three years a lot of this is what we think we can do this is how we think we can okay well what are you actually doing and now i think i'm more trying to hold people accountable for their actions um and i think that was a large part of what brought me to write my last scholarly kitchen post um, was, well, what are you actually doing at this point? Because it's been three years of saying we need to make change and we need to do this and this is, it's a lot of blah, blah, blah. I'm going to be honest because I read a lot of things and statements. I'm always reading statements, mission statements, plans. And I'm like, okay, so how much of that have you done? And where's the action plan that goes behind the mission statement? And where's the work that's happening? What you know, it's not all about statistics, but where is the change? If you're saying you want a more diverse workforce and you're really encouraging people, again, it goes back to having a safer environment for people. Like, realistically, people like myself, we're not stupid. We can walk into an interview and know when a place is not going to be for us. As much as you're interviewing for somebody to join you, they are interviewing as to see whether that is somebody that they, they want to be. I've walked into interviews and have been like, well, that's not for me based on my experience in this space, based on whether it's somebody questioning why I'm there. Why am I here for this interview? Am I sure that I'm, you know, really applying for this role? Is it meant to be me? Or when somebody reads my name out and they're like, oh, and I'm like, what's up? 
they're like, oh, we didn't think you'd be black. And I'm like, okay, great. Well, I don't want to work here now. So <laughs> thanks, bye. And I know that is not, I can laugh about it now, but you know, but I also know that's not an individual experience for me. That's happened to a lot of people I know and probably people I don't know. Are we genuinely making the change in places? I'm seeing it in some places and I'm definitely seeing places bring people into the space, want to change things structurally, which is where we're going to see the most impact is the structure, the policies, where people are really making these rules that are going to bring people in and again, changes the safety of the situation. But I'm also seeing a lot of like, yeah, we put up a flag to say Black Lives Matter and we put up the rainbow during Pride Month and we're going to call it a day. And, you know, we need to shift the balance of who's doing the actual intentional work and who's just doing it to say it sounds good and maybe get an award at the end of the day or a pat on the back. And I haven't seen the the balance like the balance is off but I'm hopeful that we're getting to a place where we're seeing more and more change I would love to work in a place where I'm not the only black person in publishing I'm currently in a place where I'm not the only black person in the building which is a like this is the first time that's happened to me which is great it's nice to walk around and see other people who look like me but I'm still going to a lot of places a lot of conferences and there's very few people who look like me or represent things that I represent. So yeah, we need to do a bit more of the work and really do like less talk, more work. I think that needs to be the push for the change and the act. Then we can say, yes, we're being more representative, I think. Well, let's talk about that work, Deandra Roberts. Many people, of course, say they support diversity. They believe themselves to be allies in the drive to end systemic racism. But tell us, Deandra Roberts, what you think these allies should be doing now, today, in 2023. I'll speak on that in terms of racism. In 2023, allies, we need to be dismantling systemic oppression like it's and I know that's like wow that's a lot and it is and I'm not going to disagree and there's so much that can be done on that but we need to talk about the sort of hierarchy of restorative justice where do you sit within that and how are you bringing somebody up behind you and it's easy to say oh well you know I'm I I don't have any privilege everybody has some somewhere even I do and I know when I get into rooms it's for me to bring the next person in to open that door as long as possible so more and more people can get in if I'm given a platform I will be sharing that platform and the more people that do that the more we're going to break down the system that's trying to keep people out of it and if you're somebody who sits at the top of the hierarchy you need to be doing way more than the people who are towards the bottom. But at the moment, it's the people towards the bottom who are doing most of the work. If that's all it took, we would have just done this already. But we're still here. 
fighting the fight. So it's if you're an ally and you're truly like, I'm an ally and yeah, okay, then you need to break down the privilege you have and use it, I use it to benefit other people. But also you need to be in a position where you're going to be like, okay, if this is going the way things are going in terms of equity, I'm going to start having less and less privilege because people, well, not even less, actually. I don't even think that's actually fair. It's just other people are going to have as much as you. So it's going to feel like you're having less, but you're not. We're just getting the foot up to where you're at. So even then, in my own thinking, I have to reword how I'm saying things because it's not actually you getting less privilege. You will have the same. What we want is everybody else to have the same. So you need to do the work to make sure you're dismantling those systems. And I can't speak on what that means for everybody. It might even mean this policy that really benefits me, I can tell actually it's it's not inclusive. It's policies to do with like hair in workplaces or anything that's like sort of an unconscious bias towards that or just a general bias because at this point I think we all sort of know the biases that are happening. Um, hair, makeup, the other day on TikTok there was a thing about being unclassy if you use brown lip liner and a nude lipstick as I'm sporting right now but it's culturally a thing for black women and most of us have hyperpigmented lips anyway so it's not like so my face is unclassy basically if there's something that then somebody hears and then goes into oh well that's for this you know customer facing role you can't do things like that that's naturally taking away from someone's culture that's inherently biasing them at work in your work at the world college of psychiatrists you founded the african and caribbean forum you speak regularly on diversity equity inclusion and allyship what does it mean as a black woman to speak out against racism in your organization and in this profession deandra has speaking out made you vulnerable to danger and and how do you respond one of my colleagues who is black and is in the events team put on a mental health um sort of seminar which had many different speakers majority of them were black talking about how mental health is is affected to black british people black people globally and the room was filled with black people and i think that was one of the first times in my whole career i like sat in a room full of scholars and doctors and other professionals some publishing some other areas and I was like wow I'm the majority in this room and I just been like this is this is just wow I was blown away and it was it was an amazing event um so informative for me and just in that time I was just like I'm just really inspired to do something in the workplace because again as much as I'd said earlier this was the first time I've worked in a company where I'm not the only black person. I still didn't really know any of the other black people because we don't work together. In my team, it's me. So I saw it as an opportunity to provide a space for others in the company to get together, to see if there was anything we wanted to do. Like, how can we 
provide um, a voice during Black History Month, just generally throughout the year. I feel like we should have a voice throughout the year, not just Black History Month, but if we're in an organisation that's going to celebrate that time, then allow us to be a part of it and, you know, put on our own events and do our own informational things and such like we've done webinars and um information leaflets and fun things like you know we did i don't know if if you know desert island discs but it's a radio show yes yeah, so we did our own version of that i'm not gonna say it was easy and everything we wanted went the way we wanted to go or it didn't take work because for some part to say it as it is when a group of black people start to organize it immediately becomes considered political even if we just wanted to be able to do peer support with each other and we were not trying to riot or anything but naturally somehow a group of black people is a political thing i've been in other places where i've spoken up and i've i've been shouted at i've been honestly humiliated in spaces I've been made an example of, I've been penalized in ways that probably shouldn't have happened because it shouldn't have to affect my career, but it has. I would do it again because, you know, I believe in what I stand for and I think that we should all be treated well and with the same expression. And if me saying anything I've said changes it for the person behind me, then yeah, I'm gonna keep doing it and I'm just gonna keep doing that. But one thing I have learned for myself is that if you're in a space, you've been invited to a space or you found yourself into the space where you're being told you're welcomed, but your voice is not welcome, it's okay to leave. And it was seeing somebody else more senior to me, who's also black, remove themselves from a space, a really big space where they were given a really solid platform. But it was kind of just in name and not in nature. And they were there to say, hey, look who we've got here. So obviously we're doing the right things whilst it was just blockade after blockade. So that encouraged me to say, actually, these spaces that I've been put into are just exhausting me. We're not moving forward. We're not taking anything on. And I'm just being put out to say, look at this person that we have. Um, walk away from those spaces because they're not serving you and they're not for you. And they're not actually for change. But if you find you can speak up and speaking up isn't always literally like opening your mouth. Sometimes it's writing a letter you know, leaving a suggestion, talking to someone more senior than you that you feel you can talk to. If it's not that, sometimes just send the email and be like, well, I've done it now. Um, it's in writing at least. And know, know your rights as well. Know where you stand, know what you can be penalized for and what you can't be penalized for. Deandra Roberts, Senior Publishing Coordinator for the Royal College of Psychiatrists and chef for SSP's The Scholarly Kitchen blog. Thank you for speaking with me and for sharing your experiences with my audience. Thank you for having me. That's all for now. Our producer is Rob Simon of Burst Marketing. 
You can subscribe to the program wherever you go for podcasts, and please do follow us on Twitter and on Facebook. You can also find Velocity of Content on YouTube as part of the CCC channel. I'm Christopher Keneally. Thanks for joining me. Mm-hmm.